for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course, and another translation puts it this way, we have thus prepared ourselves. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. We aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. NIV, we want to avoid any criticism of the way we administer this liberal gift, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of men. If you wonder why we do all of the financial records, we keep the giving envelopes for five years, we do all of the things that we do, is we want to do what is right in the eyes of God and the eyes of men. Now, in the eyes of God, that's not too difficult because God looks at our hearts and he realizes that our, our motives are good, so that's fine. But in the eyes of men, that's more complicated. We have to make sure that we do not stumble people with how finances are handled. We want, now, you can't avoid it all, but you can take plans and you can make preparations so that with proper reporting and everything, you avoid all unnecessary criticism. And everybody said? Malachi 3, verse 10. As we begin to teach on tithing tonight, bring the full tithe. How much of the tithe? Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the window of heaven for you and pour out for you a blessing until there is no more need. Until there is what? Blessings will continue to flow until there is what? Blessings continue to flow until there is what? Now, Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to teach you the progressive revelation of tithing from Genesis to Revelation and let you understand how this, like every other doctrine in the Bible, begins with a simple thought and then is progressively revealed to us. I'm going to teach you how the cycle of tithing reveals the purpose of tithing and how the business model of a church is built on tithing. The business model of a church is not built on business. It's not built on selling things and charging people for things. We're going to talk to you about the methodology of tithing. But tonight, I simply want to talk to you about the blessings of a tither. Everybody say, the blessings of a tither. Now, I can answer your honest hearts tonight, but I cannot answer an attitude. And I know that there is no doctrine that is more criticized in the world today, even born again. There is no doctrine that is more criticized in the world today, even among Christians, than tithing. Part of that is because you cannot love both God and money. And when people make a decision to love money, you know, they think small about God. Everybody say, they despise God. The Greek word there means to think small of. Part of the problem in the Christian world today is that many preachers, unfortunately, have figured out that they can make more money with a charging and a pay-as-you-go business model than you can with a tithing model of church. Now, it's fascinating to me when you study church history that one of the primary reasons for the Reformation under Luther, there, where Protestantism began to be preached, one of the primary reasons for Protestantism coming to, to the forefront under Martin Luther was the Catholic Church charged for ministry. Everybody say indulgences. That was the old English word for charging for ministry. But when I look around the Protestant world today, 
The Protestant world is doing just what the Catholic world did before Martin Luther stood up and nailed his, his thesis and his treatises to the door of the Catholic Church. You charge, they charge you for everything. You want a seminar, you pay this fee. You want to get about or baptize, it's 1,000 pesos. You want to go to hear this concert, it's 1,500 to 2,000. You want to go to this seminar, it's 2,000 to 2,500. They, they, they have figured out that they can make more money by telling people, don't tithe, just give offerings, but we're also going to charge you for things. When, I'm sorry, you just don't find that model of finances among the house of God from Genesis to Revelation. We find the tithing model. We find the what? We find the what? Now, let me begin to walk you through tonight the blessings of the tither. This this model of how the work of God was to be supported, this tithing model of financial administration. It's not based on business. It's not charging people money. It's not, you know, it's, it's based, everybody say the tithing model. Now, you can have a tithing model or you can have a business model church. Business model says don't tithe, just give your best offering, but we're also going to charge you for things. You know, you can make a lot of money doing that. The tithing model, the needs will always be met. And everybody said? It may not make as much money, but we're not doing this for money. We're doing this for ministry. The tithing model is all about God blessing the people and getting money to the people. The business model is all about how much money can you get from people. Very, very different motivations, very, very different focuses. Now, I want you to notice how God begins this concept of the blessings of the tither. Everything about tithing comes back to proving the reality of God. Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. Not put the pastor to the test, not put the church to the test, not put the connect group leader to the test, not put the leadership of the church to the test. You put God to the test, and thereby bringing the full tithe into God's church, into God's storehouse, thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. The only opportunity that we are ever seen, the only time the Bible ever teaches us that we are commanded to test God is with the tithe. Everybody say, put God to the test. Now God said, you want to know if I'm real? You have no right to demand a healing. You have no right to demand a sign. Jesus criticized the scribes and Pharisees. Paul criticized the Jews for always demanding a sign. God said, you want to know if I'm real? Let's come back to the principle of the tithe. Let, let's come back to where men fell and where men return. Let's come back to the principle of the tithe. You want to know if I'm real? You bring the full tithe into my storehouse and thereby put me to the test. Will I do what I say I will do? Everybody say, will God do what he promises? Now, now, some of you have done that. How many of you are tithers? Would you raise your hand? All the tithers. Has God met the test? Has God proved he's real? I mean, sometimes you go, how in the world did all of this happen? How in the world did all these finances come to me? How in the world did I get all those bills paid? And you look around, and honestly, sometimes you sit there with the numbers, and you can't figure out how it happened. It's God. You put God to the test. God showed his reality. 
Now, now some of you, you, you've never been a tither. You've had people convince you not to tithe, and you've listened to them because, forgive me, of the greed in your own heart. You know, just like back with, with Eve, you, you had to decide that you wanted to experience this, and God didn't have the best thing in heart for you, and God didn't want what was best for you, and you really needed this. And like Eve, you, you reached out and took what belonged to God, and you don't understand. If you would simply let God be God and return to God what belongs to God, God would prove His reality. Everybody shout, God will prove His reality. The second are spiritual blessings. The first is financial blessings, and we'll get more into those as we go tonight. But one of the big things here is spiritual blessings. Now in Genesis 14, verse 20, Abram comes to Melchizedek, who is the pre-incarnate Christ. Melchizedek meets Jesus, Melchizedek, Jesus meets Abram with the bread and with the wine. The symbols of salvation. The what? And what does Abram do in verse 20? And Abram gave him a tenth or a tithe of everything. Now, when he gave Melchizedek or Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ, the tithe of everything, he then turns in Genesis 14, verses 22 to 24, he turns to the king of Sodom and said, I, don't, I will accept nothing that belongs to you, not even a thread of a thong of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abraham rich. He said, I don't want you to give me anything. He said, I have brought the tithe to God. I have brought the tithe to God. I will not let any man say that he has made me rich. Now, chapter 15, verse 1. After this, after he brought the tithe, after he said, no, no man's going to say they made me rich. I'm going to prove God. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. Number one, I am your shield. Number two, your very great reward. But Abram said, oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Now notice, three things that occurred, three great blessings that flowed to Abraham after he brought the tithe to Jesus. Number one, God made a covenant with him. God made a what? And that covenant had two parts. First of all, that covenant says, I shall be your shield and rear guard. Abraham, I'm going to protect you. Now, why would Abraham want to be protected? Because he has just defeated all these kings of the valley in rescuing Lot. He recognizes he is a foreigner and a stranger in the land, even though God has promised him this land. All these other peoples are far more powerful than him. How is he going to survive? He's made himself odious to everybody. God said, Abram, relax. I'm going to be your shield and your rear guard. And then secondly, he said, I'm making a second part of this covenant. I will be your reward. Everybody say, God will be my reward. Now listen to me. He turned down the reward of the king of Sodom, and God said, the creator of the universe will be your reward. 
you would not let a man reward you. I will be your reward. Now, I've got news for you. When God says he is our reward, that's where the blessing comes from. That's where the what comes from? When the rewarder is your reward, when the provider is your reward, when El Shaddai, when Jehovah Jireh is your reward, you are blessed. But then he said, Abram, I also know the greatest desire of your heart. You want a child. I promise you, you will have a child. Now, some of you are here today, and you just need to understand, not only will God protect you, not only will God provide for you, God knows the one thing in your heart that you truly desire, God will give it to you because you're a tither. Everybody say, my desire. But maybe the greatest thing that happened at this, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Salvation by faith took place. This is why when people start trying to separate the Bible and the Old Testament and the New Testament, and, you know, I, I just, excuse me, it's the same God. Abraham was saved by faith just like we're saved by faith today. Everybody shout, same God. God has never changed. Here he was. He brings to God the tithe and God, salvation by faith. The third spiritual blessing. Everybody say, an open heaven. Now, this is the one we're talking a lot about today, so please let me just spend a few minutes on it. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. And now, here's what he promises. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Everybody say, no more need. Now, please forgive me. But some of us remember when we lived hand-to-mouth. We remember our kids going to bed hungry. We remember the hard days of the 80s and the 90s. We, we remember those days. God said, I'm going to pour out blessings for you until you come to a place in your life where there is no more, no more what? I, I didn't hear you. You have everything you need. You look around and you realize, I don't need anything. Look at the person next to you and say, I don't need anything. Say it again. Now, now, some of you cannot even imagine coming to that place. But how many of you have come to the place where you look around at your life and you go, I don't need anything. I'm blessed. Put your hand up high. Put your hand up high. I mean, you, you just look around and go. People say, what would you like, Pastor? Nothing. I'm fine got everything I want. Got everything I need. Look at the person next to you and say, the blessing of an open heaven. Now, an open heaven, th th this is a big one. When people say, what does it mean, an open heaven, Pastor? It kind of means everything. Everybody say, it means everything. Say it again. Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasury the heavens. <laughs> Did you hear? I love the ESV on this one. He will open to you his good treasury. His what? He will open to you his what? Now I went back and checked that because that was never in the NIV. That was always, you know, the abundance of his storehouse. 
But the Hebrew, that's what it means. The Lord will open to you his good. Everybody say his treasury. God opens to you his bank. Heaven has a treasury. Look at the person next to you. Heaven has a treasury. Now see, if you're living out of your relative's bank account, there comes an end. If you're living out of the bank's loan money, there's an end. There is no limit to God's treasury. He will open to you his good treasury. His what? Now, your tithe opens the windows of heaven. Now, this is why I get so irritated with preachers who stand up and sound so spiritual. Tithing is under the law. It is not. We'll get to that tomorrow. Tithing is part of the Mosaic law. You should not tithe. Just give whatever you want. You might want to give 25 or 30 percent. Well, no, God only asked for 10. Are we still here? But they sound so spiritual. And what they're doing is closing the heavens for God's people. You see, folks, you have to understand, it doesn't matter if you give offerings. If the windows of heaven are closed, there's nothing coming through. Did you hear what I just said? You say, well, how come some people get blessed? Because they keep giving enough offerings so that it finally reaches up to the tithe level and maybe a little above. But you need to understand, when people tell you not to tithe, they're just trying to get money from you. They're not trying to get money to you. God wants you to be blessed. Did you hear what I just said? God wants you to be blessed. The tithe, returning to God what belongs to Him, causes God to open the treasury of heaven. Now, how much comes from the treasury of heaven is determined by our offerings. Everybody say, with the measure I use. That's a whole other teaching from Paul in the, in, in, that he wrote to the Corinthians. So with the, measure that you, with the measure that you give, it's the measure that will be measured back unto you. If you give with a teaspoon, you receive with a teaspoon. If you give with a dump truck, you receive with a dump truck. But the, tre- the, t- the treasury is opened by the tithe. Everybody say, opened by the tithe. So there's financial blessings. But there's also spiritual blessings. To give rain to your land in its season. Now remember, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9 that we are God's land or we are God's field. Everybody say, I'm God's field. We know that the rain refers to the Holy Spirit. So in addition to financial blessings coming, God sends the rain of the Spirit upon our life. Now in addition to the financial blessings, the rain of the Spirit on our life, He said, and will bless all the work of your hands. Again, Deuteronomy 28, verse 12. And you will lend to many nations, but will not borrow. Everybody say, my hands will be blessed. Now, I don't know how to explain to you how people who have never graduated college, who are not all that intelligent, how they can make so much money. God blesses the work of their hands. You know, people will look at them who have master's degree and are super intelligent, and they say, I have more ability, and I'm smarter than they are, but I, don't, I can't make any money. How do these people make all that money? God blesses the work of their hands. When God opens the treasury of heaven, he not only pours financial blessings, he pours spiritual blessings, and he puts an ability on the work of your hands. 
everybody say, an ability to the work of my hands. And the end result of it was, we will lend to many nations and borrow from none. Everybody say, I'll be a lender and not a borrower. Fourthly, an open heaven means angelic ministry. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 49. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you're the King of Israel. And Jesus answered, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You'll see greater things than these. And he said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, that you will see heaven opened, there's an open heaven, and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Everybody say, angelic ministry. Now, Hebrews 1 verse 14 says, Are not angels all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? We need to understand. I, I, I've never seen an angel. I, I sit with people sometimes and they say, Oh, there's an angel right over there. And I go, oh. I've never seen an angel, but I don't need to see an angel. God says they exist, and God said that they've been sent to minister to us. Everybody say, minister to us. When we get to heaven and God lets us look back across our life, I promise you, we will be shocked by the amount of angelic ministry that has been all around us. Getting on a jeepney and God kind of, an angel kind of pushes us on before a jeepney comes up behind and bumps it. I mean, I promise you when we get to heaven, we're going to be shocked. Angels are moving around ministering to you because you're a tither. Everybody's angelic ministry. An open heaven means visions of Jesus. Acts 7, beginning with verse 55, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Revelation 19:11. then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and the one sitting on it was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. An open heaven means visions of Jesus. You God will allow you to have a peek into heaven and you see visions of Jesus. Sometimes an open heaven means visions of the future. Revelation 4, beginning with verse 1. And at this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At times, an open heaven means God will show you a glimpse of the future. Everybody say, a vision of the future. All of these are because of an open heaven. So, all right, we've said that the blessings of the tither, you experience the reality of God flowing to your finances. We talked about the spiritual blessings that Abraham received. We talked about a tither lives under an open heaven. But now the fourth one, a tither receives revival. A tither does what? Malachi 3, beginning with verse 7. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Everybody say, God returns to us. There are many Christians today in this world that go to church every week, but their hearts are far from God. They can sit in a service where the Holy Ghost is moving, They can sit in a service where the presence of God is healing people and changing people's lives. And they sit there in the service, and they go, why doesn't God ever touch me? Well, you know what? 
return to me and I will return to you. Well, how shall we return to you? Will a man rob God? Yet you're robbing me. But you say, how have, you robbed, how have we robbed you? In tithes and contributions. God looks at us and says, listen, as long as you're going to love money more than me, as long as you're going to think that that 10% that belongs to me is more important than your relationship with me, you're not going to see revival in your life. Everybody say, revival. How many of you want more of God in your life? Then simply be a tither. Everybody say, be a tither. You mean you buy the blessings of God? You buy the presence of God? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But God says if you want a manifestation of his presence in your life, you, re you return to him. Well, how do I come back to you, God, where you left him? Now, now, please, we'll get more into this on Saturday and Sunday. But think with me. Adam and Eve, God had the principle of the tithe. That's where the progressive revelation of tithing begins, with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in that, in that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God said, don't touch that, that's mine. Well, Eve went and took it. She took it. She felt that Satan convinced her, you know, God's just trying to hold you back. God doesn't want what's best for you. You really need that. So she put that ahead of what God said. Men walk away from God over the principle of the tithe, and men return to God in the principle of the tithe. Everybody say, walk away and return. I will tell you that in my experience as your pastor for 39 years, long before people's body leaves the church, their tithe leaves God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Are you still here? Revival. You cannot serve God and money. Matthew 6, 24. Fifthly, a tither sees the curse come off their finances. Now, Malachi 3 verse 10 said, I will pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Everybody say, a blessing that flows, a blessing that flows until need is removed. So we're talking about a pretty good flow of blessing and a pretty long flow of blessing. But now contrast that was Zechariah chapter 5, verse 3. Then he said to me, this is a curse that goes out over the whole face of the land. For everyone who steals shall be cleaned out according to what it has on one side, and everyone who swears falsely shall be cleaned out according to what it says on the other side. Everybody say, cleaned out. How many of you want your finances cleaned out? No, you don't. Cleaned out means it's all gone. Everybody say, wiped out. Say it again. In other words, your wallet is clean. It is empty. Now, God said that there's a curse that chases after a thief until it destroys him, his household, and his timbers. Here's Zechariah 5, verses 3, 4, and 5. I don't want a curse on my finances. Oh, no, Pastor Summerall, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. That's right. We have been redeemed from the curse of the law. But this is not the curse of the law. This is the curse of the thief and the curse of the liar. How many of you want the curse of a liar? Then don't lie. I didn't hear you. How many of you want the curse of a thief? 
then never steal. And never steal from God. Will a man rob God? Don't steal from people and don't steal from God. Everybody say, don't steal from people. Don't steal from God. Now, now please forgive me, young people. You steal somebody's cell phone. You think that it's going to help you. <laughs> please. Stealing somebody's cell phone is not going to help you. You might get five or 10,000 pesos from the, the, the black market guy that buys it from you. But forgive me, you brought the curse of a thief upon your life. Everything you touch is going to be destroyed. Amen. Don't ever steal. Amen. Everybody say, never steal. never steal. And never steal from God. Now, if you will learn to return to God the tithe that belongs to Him, He said, there's blessing that flows. There's what? There's blessing that flows and continues to flow until there is no more need. Are you getting anything from this? The sixth blessing, protection of your assets. Malachi 3 verse 11. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. He said, listen, the things that destroy your house, the things that destroy your business, the things that destroy your sales, the things that destroy your income, the devourer, he said, I'm going to rebuke it for you. Everybody say, God's job. You don't have to stand there and rebuke it. God does. I didn't hear you. Fire is coming. You don't have to rebuke it. God does. Are we still here? Are you still here? This is God saying, I will do this. Not only will I pour out a blessing, continue to flow until there is no more need. He said, I'm going to rebuke the devourer until there is no more need. Everybody say, rebuke the devourer. Say it again. So, protection of your assets. And, he continues in verse 11, and your vine in the field will not fail to bear. In other words, you are going to maximize your profits. Everybody say, the sales will come. Say it again. Your sales teams that you put together, that is your vine in today's world. It will produce. Your nets, when you let down the nets, brother boy, in your boat, the nets will be full of fish. Why? Because you're a tither. They're going to look at you and go, why do you catch so many fish? You're a tither. Why do you have so many sales? Why does your team have more sales than the other teams? We're tithers. God blesses the vine. Everybody say, the vine maximizes the fruit. Say it again. Now, one last thing. And this to me is one of the best ones. Malachi 3.12. Then, he said, you know what? I'm going to bless you until there's no more need. I'm going to rebuke the things that destroy your prosperity and your assets. I'm going to cause all the things that you do to prosper. I'm going to bless the work of your hands. Your vine shall not fail to bear fruit. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. A tither is spoken about. Everybody say, my relatives will talk about me. Say it again. Everybody say, my family will be talked about. You know, forgive me, I've been your pastor for a long time. 
And it's so fun to me to watch what God does. I remember when I was first year pastor, 23 years old, and I would say, God, how, how do I teach the people these truths? We have nothing. The people have nothing. I can't teach the people this. The people have nothing. And I began to realize that's not my problem. My problem was to teach the truth and God would bless you. Has God blessed you? Now, I can show you family after family that their relatives make more money than they make, but this family of tithers has more money than the relatives. Everybody say, they have more. Say it again. I know a lot of people that make a lot more money than I make, but I have more than they have. And you go, how does that work? I don't know. I bought a condo one time. My family loaned me money to buy a condo. I bought it at 17 million. I lived in it for four years. I sold it for 39.4. Paid back my family, bought my house. Bought my house at 16,000 a square meter. Now it's selling for 75 to 80,000 per square meter. How does all that work? God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Are you understanding what I'm saying? So now I can sell my house, build a small house for us to grow old in because Shah's getting married, and I can go buy a truck, the first harvest truck, the first four million of that harvest truck, Sister Bev and Shah and I are giving. How, how could I ever dream that I would be able to give four million pesos? Me! When did I ever in my wildest dream ever believe that I could give four million pesos? But look at what God has done. Now you say, Pastor, you're very prosperous. Yeah, sure am. I'm a tither. Now listen to me. You may say, well, I'm just a school teacher like our brother tonight. But I promise you, when his relatives look at his family, they're more blessed than the relatives. Other families will look at you and call you blessed. Everybody say, people will call me blessed. They will look at you and go, how do you get all that money? I don't know. God's been good to me. In the old days of the 80s and 90s when we had nothing, I would buy a second-hand car, fix it up, drive it for a year, and sell it for more than I paid for it. People say, Pastor, how do you do that? I don't know. God's good. Are we still here? How many of you know what I'm talking about? People look at you and go, how did you do that? I don't know. God blessed the work of my hands. I may not have as much as other people as far as income, but when God finishes, I have more. This is God. Other families, other peoples will look at you and they will call you blessed. And they will say that where you live is delightful. Everybody say, I have a delightful home. Say it again. Now, these are the blessings of a tither. Now, Saturday and Sunday, I'm going to teach you the purpose of tithing so that you'll understand how God put this whole thing to work. And this is how the work of God is supported. And really, it's God supporting His work, not us. I'm going to show you the progressive revelation of the tither. I'm going to show you the methodology of a tither. But, but listen to me. I, I can't. I can't answer your attitudes. 
I can answer your questions. You have to decide, will I put God to the test? Look at the person next to you and say, will I put God to the test? Now, now some of you are here today, and you've never been a tither. And you've listened to all these crazy radio things telling you not to tithe and da-da-da-da-da. And you're going, eh, should I do that? Should I not? Nobody's going to make you do anything. But ushers, we want to pass out a little card for people who do want to make a commitment to tithe. And I would challenge ushers, if you'd help us quickly, pass out one to everybody. We designed it a little differently this year to emphasize open heaven. So when you get it, it just says open heaven, but then you open it up and there's a window. Everybody say, I'm going to open the windows of heaven. Now, before you tear it apart and everything, write your name, your mobile number, and your email just so that we can check all the records. We are having a few challenges with our new Shelby system. I smile when I say that, but I'm not smiling. <laughs> and then when you, you finish filling it out, tear it off. This is going to go in my prayer bench at home for me to pray over every day. I lay hands on it, pray for all the tithers every day. The rest of it I want you to keep in your Bible and remember the promises of God for the tither. But now again, nobody's going to make you do anything and nobody's going to follow you up and nobody's going to check whether you're a regular tither or not. That's, that's between you and God. But let me beg of you one thing. If you're, if you're here tonight and you are a real skeptic and you just don't believe this mess, you just, you think... You heard somebody say, tithing is the preachers trying to get money from us. <laughs> I got news for you. If I was after money, I would not have been doing what I have done all of my life here in the Philippines. Money is not the motivation. But let me beg of you, why don't you test God? Bring the full tithe into the local church that you belong to. Every week, every time you get money, bring the full tithe into God's storehouse and watch what begins to happen in your life. Now, you say, Pastor, what happens if I have not been a tither? Do I need to go back and, and, and pay retribution? I heard one pastor stand up and say, you need to figure out how much money you've been stealing from God and bring retribution plus 20%. <laughs> Folks, that's not God. If you haven't been a tither, then tonight... As you fill out this card, just say, Father, in Jesus' name, forgive me. I have not been a tither. I've been stealing what belongs to you. This night, I promise from this day forward to return what belongs to you. Okay, just, and then everybody say, that's it. God is a forgiving God. He's not a debt-collecting God. He says, I want you to test me. All right, so put your tithe in the red envelopes, put your seed in the blue envelopes, and if you wish to fill out one of these tithing commitment cards, these will go into my prayer bench. They won't go to anybody else for me to pray with you. But keep the rest of the card in your Bible. It makes a nice bookmark, has a nice sharp edge for underlining.
All right, when you're ready with your tithe and your seed and your vows to be a tither, you can come and bring them at the altar.